and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And something we had to do this week, Liam, as you know, last week was a very important episode, I think, for us, just sort of in general. Is that fair to say? Uh, explain why. Um, I feel like it just sort of possessed this weird, unbridled chaos that our episodes don't often have. And it sent us spiraling in various directions unrelated to the film. We got a lot of other people we know involved. And it feels like I just wasn't sure how we were going to follow up my big fat Greek wedding too. <laughs> Who would have thought that would have been a monumental episode in the TMAO lore? I really don't think anyone had it chalked up for that. But I mean, you know, life comes at you fast. I think we made the most interesting possible choice of film to follow that up with. We're back in our wheelhouse. Our wheelhouse, of course, is a house that's full of nails and blood and demons and saws because we are watching Evil Dead 2013, not to be confused with nothing because the original movie is called The Evil Dead, so you can figure this out pretty easily. Um, It's directed by Fede Alvarez. It was his directorial debut, which is crazy to me. Um, And he also is known for Don't Breathe, a movie I think is great. Um, He co-wrote the movie with um, a guy whose name I'm about to probably mispronounce, and I'm very sorry about that, Rodo Sayagez. I really should check these things. If we were professionals, I would probably do that. He also co-wrote Don't Breathe. Cinematography by Aaron Morton. Music by... Again, dude, I'm so sorry for this name I'm about to mispronounce. Roque or Roque Banos or Banos? I, I'm sorry. I really am. I truly am. Uh, the movie stars Jane Levi as Mia, Shiloh Fernandez as David, Lou Taylor Pucci, maybe, as Eric, Jessica Lucas as Olivia, and Elizabeth Blackmore as Natalie. And as the Wikipedia page will point out to any interested readers, those names, when you put them in an order, the first letters spell the word demon. So that's where we're at with this movie. <laughs> Liam, where... So you're a horror movie guy more so than me, by which I mean you have a much longer history with horror movies than I have. Yeah, I, yeah. I know you've seen Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 and probably Army of Darkness. Were those... That's true. Like, did you get to those early or were those things that you got to later? No, later. Um, not E.T. and uh, what's the other one? Jurassic Park. Not that late, but it was like uh, probably halfway through high school, 10th, 11th grade. Um, I always got Evil Dead confused with the Wrong Turn franchise, which is very different. That's, I don't even that's know what French, that is. That's from like the mid 2000s, um, and it's it's it has a female lead. Um, I, I haven't seen any of them, so that must be why I got them confused. But I didn't realize for a lot of my life that Evil Dead was uh, was a classic movie from the 80s. Um, and it was actually around the time that this remake was being talked about being made. So probably 2012, 2011, when I decided, okay, I'm going to get caught up on these things because that's around the time that... Um, I had been a horror fan for so long that I wanted to be able to like support it as well. I wanted to be able to say that I had seen a lot of these older films. So it's when like I, I watched the Scream series back to back and uh, Evil Dead. It's when I first saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff. And so as this movie was being talked about, I went back, I watched Evil Dead 
um, the first one and the second one on my desktop computer at like three in the morning because I would stay up late back in those days. It's high school. There's not much to sleep for. Um, wow. Deep. And, and, <laughs> and I absolutely, absolutely loved the first movie. I thought it was one of the scariest things I had ever seen in my life. Um, I thought the effects were so amazing. I loved the atmosphere. I was already a huge Cabin Fever fan, and so it was really nice to see where a lot of that inspiration came from. And so Evil Dead is a movie that I kept with me. Um, I've shown it to some friends. We've watched it in some basements on like a DVD from the Salvation Army. I just recently, this past Halloween, saw it at the local Mayfair Theater here in our town. It had a restoration and a new score. So I took my girlfriend to see it and uh, she was super into it too. She was blown away. Wait, they um, rescored the whole movie? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I, I was so into Evil Dead and that was because this movie was coming out. And so once I saw the original Evil Dead and loved it so much, this remake quickly became my my most anticipated movie definitely of the year. And in my memory, it's uh, one of the most exciting times I've had leading up to a movie. I was so excited for this. The trailers were coming out and the posters were coming out and they were all... Um, really aggressive, um, lots of red, lots of like gnarly looking people drenched in some sort of liquid, lots of quotes saying this is the most terrifying movie you'll ever see. Um, and I was just so, so into this. They pushed the marketing really hard. You would get it before YouTube videos. Um, at least I would. It would get suggested to me. And I was just so into this movie. I've even pulled up a, uh email that I sent on March 26th, 2013 at 7.57 p.m. So this is probably a couple weeks before this uh, this remake came out seven years ago. And I emailed my local theater, info at centurycinema.ca, if you guys want to contact them. And I said, hey, just wondering if you guys are getting in the new Evil Dead film. And uh, the owner of the theater responded to me and said, like, don't know till Monday's... Uh, not sure. And we eventually did get it. I took uh, our shared roommate, Keiki, to go see it. Um, and we absolutely had a blast. It was an incredible theater experience. There was one scene in particular that made Keiki more expressive than I had ever seen him in my life until that point. He gaped, he yelped, and he was reeling for like the next five I minutes. I can't wait to figure after, out what scene that is. seeing this one moment. And... Uh, the movie really, really stuck with me just as a theatrical thing, but it's not one that I came back to a whole lot, but I think maybe because it stuck with me so well that I, I felt I didn't need to go back to it because it, it really like lived in my memory. And so I feel like I, I got what I needed to out of it. And, um, and that was that, you know, I, it popped onto Netflix a few years later and uh, a few years ago, I showed it probably irresponsibly to my about seven-year-old nephew at the Jesus time. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh my um, God, Liam. How did, <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> well, maybe it didn't live in my memory as much as I uh, thought because we were watching it and Holy I was like, wow, this, uh, this really is gnarly. And, did you turn um, it off or did you finish it? No, he fell asleep, but it was still on while he was sleeping. So I certainly didn't make the decision. Holy um, shit. Is he okay? 
Yeah, he's all right. He's all right. We watched a lot of horror movies before that. That's a and formative so I guess, experience all kinds of kids have. I'm sure he's going to be fine. I guess that's that's what I was hoping for, you know. And But, uh, like, Evil Dead is, as we'll get into, and I'll explain a bit, it's fucking gross. Like, Yeah, no, it's super... It's super gross, um, and it's the kind of thing that could definitely scar a child because even if, like, you know, kids play a lot of rated M video games, you see a lot of gore, but the way this is presented is just, like, it's such a dark and bitter movie that, you know, this is the sort of thing that would creep into your brain at night, and maybe I wasn't thinking about that. We had we had been watching a whole lot of horror movies before this. I was so excited to get him into horror movies, and I think I just... Uh, I just I went from maybe sixty to a hundred really quickly. Yeah. You know, I I saw Seed of Chucky when I was a kid, which okay. is like kind of like a goofy comedy horror movie, and um, I thought that I was okay. And then I tried to go to sleep that night, and all I could think about was some of the more violent in the Seed moments of Chucky was in, the in your film. mind. Yeah, and they just it sticks with you, dude. Movies they plant their seed in your head. Some images can just stick with you. And uh, it's three years later now, and he's okay. We've watched a whole lot of horror movies since. He's a tough dude. Yeah, well, um, I'm willing to bet that like Seed of Chucky didn't have a scene where somebody exacto knives their tongue in half. It did not, but it did have a scene where the rapper Redman got disemboweled at Britney Spears's house, and his innards fell out onto the table. So, uh, okay, I mean, fair play. Me. So, yeah. Liam, earlier as you were explaining, the reason I set it up that way was because I wanted to sort of emphasize again for people who um, are listening that our relationships to horror as a genre are very different, um, and. I can't fucking believe that you brought up the marketing on your own because I was going to bring up the marketing. And the reason I was going to bring up the marketing was because, so when this movie came out, I would have been 15 and I was not at a point where I watched horror movies yet. I avoided horror movies. I had no interest in horror movies. I didn't want them. Didn't need them. Wasn't interested. Too scary. And one thing that is burned into my mind that I've never forgotten. I have very visceral memories of seeing it. And it's interesting because it wasn't, it's not the trailer. I don't know if I ever saw the trailer, but I have such a clear picture in my mind of the billboards they used to advertise the movie and the poster just stuck in my brain. Which, Which ones? So I was looking this up with Keiki earlier, actually. So if you look at the Wikipedia page, there's the red poster with Mia from the back, and it says the most terrifying film you will ever experience. I definitely saw that. Um, There was one, though, that I wasn't able to find on Google, in my memory anyway, because there was two big, like, billboard campaigns. There was one that was the same red and yellow, and um, it looks sort of like... uh, it's got the big like logo on it. And actually I'll pull it up here because I was looking at them earlier. So I want to make sure I have it. And um, yeah, there's a uh, Mia on the side and it's just a big logo basically, but there's one, I don't know if they just used it in like our market or what, because I don't think I just made it up. I remember it so clearly in so many different places that that just doesn't seem right. But some of the material wasn't the red and yellow. It was white with red. And there's one that mimics the hand reaching out of the ground. Yes. For the new movie. I remember that so vividly in my mind 
I feel like I could paint it for you right now. And it just stuck out as the way that film was aggressively marketed for me as someone who wasn't ready for horror at that point, And it was being pushed as being so grisly and so gory. It fucking fucked with me and like upset oh, yeah. me. And I just remember it so clearly that the fact that you also brought it up is just great for me. Um, as part of the same thing, uh, I haven't seen the Evil Dead movies. I still haven't. I know now that tonally they're pretty diverse and by the end you're fucking time traveling to fight wizards and shit. So like they kind of go all over the place. But I was familiar with um, the icons of the series and sort of the the stylistic tendencies that Sam Raimi was using. But I haven't seen them. And my big Evil Dead touchstone in my life was the marketing for this movie. That's awesome, dude. I love that you can you can have that story in 2013 because that's so reminiscent of walking through a video store as a kid and seeing stuff that uh, that maybe isn't for you, but it gets into your brain and really messes with you. That is so cool. So what do you mean billboards? This stuff was up in your small town? No, it, we'd go places and I'd see it. Like, wow. Like, um, I don't know if it was a trip to like, I don't know if we were in toronto or what but i have such vivid memories of seeing that imagery blown up huge um i i don't remember like what at that point in 2013 or maybe even late 2012 like we were doing but i know i just have such a clear picture of it blown up huge and um like driving past it and you'd see it in different places and every time i'd kind of like get it like stressed me out a bit. I'd be like, "Oh, there's that Evil Dead yeah. movie again." Yeah, dude. This this movie was <laughs> aggressively marketed, and that's probably why I got so excited for it, right? Because I heard it was being remade. Yeah, um, we're really I two sides the of the same coin with this, with the marketing. Yeah, yeah, you could tell we were on exact opposite ends of the province. We're bizarro versions of each other. <laughs> um, and yeah, they just they pushed it so hard, and so with every day and every teaser drop and poster drop i was just getting more and more excited for this movie and so well and they finally really going leaned to into it it was, it was confident in itself like imagine having the gall to make the slogan for your horror movie the most terrifying film you will ever experience totally and um when i hear something like that you know it's not uh I don't take it at face value, but I also know that even though that's used every few years on a movie, they don't just slap it on any movie. So there's got to be something in here that's that's making uh, the studio feel like they can say Confident this. And enough so, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So so I would never go to this sort of thing and be disappointed that it's not that, you know, um, but also it got me more excited because it's just the intrigue of what is this mass marketed wide release movie gonna have in it you know yeah and i will say that now as um as the adult that i am uh all that marketing kicks ass and um i just really want to take a quick moment to comment on because i didn't realize that the logo for the movie is just the logo for the whole series but that evil dead logo fucking rules yeah <laughs> it's extremely cool and i'm just looking at this red poster again i'm just like i want to i want to buy one and frame it like there's just something so there's something about it probably because of the relationship I have to that imagery now, but there's something just so like purely horror about it that I'm just, absolutely. And it's such an iconic thing, not iconic in the sense that you necessarily think specifically of this, but iconic in terms of like the conventions that it's using, like the final girl beaten and battered at the end of the movie aesthetic. 
Um, it's like well-worn territory, but it's so well done with the marketing. And then obviously on the other hand, you just like the hand reaching out of the ground is so just like fucking, I don't know, man, it's hardcore. And uh, it's, uh, that's where I was coming to this movie from. And that juxtaposed with uh, like passing familiarity with the evil dead um, series. Like I knew like who Ash was fucking chainsaw arm. Um, I think my familiarity with it was probably more leaning into the slapstick, like horror comedy angle than a horror horror angle yeah so so what were you expecting going into this were you basing it on the marketing and going okay this is going to be a pure horror movie or were you thinking there were going to be nods to that sort of kitschy fun stuff that the series developed into the marketing would have you believe there's none of that yeah and i went into it assuming there would be none of that but i was conflicted because I felt like if Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell both were involved, I just couldn't see it not having any of that. But the way it's marketed in the trailer and everything leans so little into that, that it doesn't imply any of that. So I really wasn't sure. And we'll get into this, but I was shocked at the degree to which this movie relies on familiarity with iconography from the other movies. Yeah, yeah, there's some uh there's some stuff in here that is absolutely based on I think the horror of the original franchise because here's the thing, the the movies, the, the Evil Dead movies develop into being something that is fist pumping and um fun and, and, and gross but there's time travel wizard fighting. Um but to see Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell on this movie um, even back then when this movie was coming out, I was so excited because that first Evil Dead movie to me is not funny at all. I think it is a straight ahead horror movie. I think it's super scary. Um, I think that the series develops into being a bit goofier after they've already pulled off the straight ahead horror so well. And so um, I'm of the opinion that uh, the first Evil Dead is by far the best one. A lot of people think that Evil Dead 2 is like the perfect balance between horror and comedy. Um, and then Army of Darkness, if you're into the comedy, then you it goes even further into that and you're super in. But for me, every Evil Dead movie after the first one kind of strays further away from what it is I love about that first movie. And so I was so excited for this because it was like a return to what I feel the first movie did in the 80s where it just it goes so hard and, and um, that was your expectation then based on the marketing you were expecting to be like this is going to go back to the roots basically absolutely yeah yeah because the first one is a movie that is limited by its budget and its resources and has to find clever ways around it and i think it really really pulls it off and so i think it's a perfect movie to remake um with yeah. higher production values yeah, this movie had a decent budget it was 17 million dollars which ain't totally it like, and then they pushed it so hard right i can't i would love to know what the marketing was. budget was this is the first time I feel like we've ever talked about marketing on this show, and I'm so glad it's come up because I feel like this is the first movie we've come across where, for some reason, the marketing is so integral to the experience of the movie, in part because it got pushed so hard. I feel like everybody saw the marketing for this movie. Yeah, it's it's really a touchstone for my contemporary uh 
horror fandom you know a lot of a lot of horror fans uh the stuff that you latch onto is stuff that was around before your time um you know if you're around our age because a lot, the golden age was you know 70s 80s when this stuff was really starting to take form and now there's just so much horror and um it's not in the theaters as often and so we latch on to the stuff from the past, but this is one of the few horror movies that I can recall the release and I can recall how huge it was. You know, Paranormal Activity was another one about five, six years ago um, before this one came out, where again, it's this is the most terrifying movie you've ever seen. And it's a it's an innovative movie that yeah, goes hard that, and is pushed. That and was it's the really, really cake. cool for the found footage renaissance which still isn't over but people beat that to death so fast because paranormal activity was such a hit like yeah um so you're going into a rewatch then not a first time watch i want to know what you were expecting this being what you're like fifth time seeing it or something like you know you would think so and it's probably about the fifth time fourth fifth time i've touched upon it again but in showing it to my nephew and um there might have been a time or two when i checked it out with a friend on netflix those times really didn't stick with me it's certainly the first time since seeing it in the theater that i've sat down really looking to experience this movie for myself again really putting myself into it and not having it as sort of a background noise or showpiece so to me this is this is the second proper time i've experienced this movie and what i was expecting um was to have a lot of fun with how gnarly it is and really be roped up in how expertly this movie gets from uh gets from set piece to set piece and gets you immersed in the experience because I was certainly immersed that first time around and it's now been long enough since this movie came out that I've seen a few people saying you know Evil Dead was a wide theatrical movie that goes so hard um, the climax is so big it's so gory it's it's a horror movie that is just it's so horror and knows exactly what it wants to do so much that it makes it um a classic and so and it i was, was well reviewed and that's what fucked me up because in my yeah. head i was like i felt like i never heard about it after it came out so i was like it must have bombed it made like 80 million dollars over its budget and it was critically praised like it's Absolutely. such an enigma it's such an enigma for what we get out of horror on this show like yeah and so i was i was going into this movie thinking it's likely i'm gonna end up in that camp but i want to see this movie just so i know just so now that i'm in my 20s and i'm really uh kind of clocking how i feel about a lot of the movies i see i was i was looking to this one to as a sort of reappraisal to be okay what do i actually feel about this movie because i just told you Corey, that uh, i revisited the movie ready or not that came out this year um, just the other day. And the first time I saw that movie back in the summer, I liked it. Um, but there were a lot of things that bothered me about it. And I rated it as a three out of five on yeah. Letterboxd. And we disagreed about that. We've talked about this. And I, I gave it like, I think when we talked about it, I was like, I'd probably give it like an eight or an eight and a half out of 10 or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. And I was sort of disappointed in myself. Why couldn't I get there? Because I had heard such great things. And I didn't think those things were unfounded because I did enjoy myself. But there were just there was stuff in it that bothered me that that didn't connect. And I was wondering why other other people didn't seem to feel that way. And I just revisited the other day. Um, so not super far after that first viewing, but I really put myself in it and gave it a shot. Um, and I absolutely loved it. To me, that movie is a 10 out of 10 now. Everything that bothered me, I was able to rearrange in my brain, and it's an asset to the movie. It's not an annoyance. There isn't even annoying things that I'm just telling myself to ignore. I think that the movie totally turned itself around, and so I was I was looking at this movie to really know how I feel about it and, uh, and um, really solidify my feelings about this one because I know a lot of other people in the horror world have because we're seven years removed now. Yeah, my I wasn't sure what to do with this movie before watching it, in part, I think, because it loomed so large over my... Uh, or rather, my memories of it loomed so large over my getting up to watching it that I wasn't really sure what to do. Um, but what I did know going into this movie was that I was more into horror now than I had been then. And I've seen Alvarez's other movie, which is Don't Breathe, which is so good I've written papers about it. <laughs> um, I fucking love Don't Breathe. Um, I think it's underrated, even though it probably isn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where I just wish people talked about it more. Um, right, right. Yeah. And it'll probably get to that point because like evil dead, it made a lot of money and was critically praised, but now, yeah. and it's, you know, unique. we're kind of, it's, it's playing yeah. with, cause the paper I wrote was about its sound design. So I've actually seen that movie more than once and I've watched it with headphones and like written notes about how it sounds. So yeah. did, I, I, did I suggest this one to you, Corey, when you were asking for movies about this? You may have because it was in school and I, I was I knew I wanted to talk about the way sound design can influence horror and in a movie that relied so heavily upon it. So it might have been you. Um, let's just say it was because that's a better story. It's and, true. Yeah, uh, I, I love that movie, too. That movie love rules. It. And that movie, similarly to this movie, uh, really fucking ghost places at the end goes gross gnarly places um so i just i uh, it was it was interesting getting up to the point where i was finally going to kind of get this monkey off my back and i was going to see evil dead you know what i mean like this was the moment where i confront that shit that freaked out 15 year old me yeah this is big man this is big in your horror uh your horror lore your horror timeline too this is huge yeah and um that's why I want to hear what you think first. I want to build a little bit more tension. Sure. Okay. So I watched this with my girlfriend who I showed the original Evil Dead to in a theater um, back in October. So we were both ready to go on this movie. Um, I knew what she was in for, but I was also excited to see how I felt this time. Um, and I came away from it thinking that this is absolutely a stunning, stunning movie visually. Um the effects here are so, so hardcore. Um, it is a straight-ahead, pure horror movie. This is a horror movie for people who are already into horror. You know, this this isn't uh, this isn't a gateway horror movie, no. which is why it was such a mistake to show it to uh, <laughs> my nephew. Because even though he was already in on horror movies, it's like it's it's not a gateway even yeah. from like level no. four of being a horror fan to five you know like it doesn't work that way it's like uh, four to eight 
Like it just yeah. doesn't. Yeah, this is a level eight horror movie, and um, and I absolutely still feel that way. Um, and I knew it was going to be that going in, but what I was surprised to find this time around, and um, what I've really taken away from it this time around, actually, is that whenever people talk in this movie, for the most part, I am absolutely out of it. I don't think this is. Uh, <laughs> I don't think this is a writer's movie at all this is absolutely a director's movie it doesn't surprise me that uh dude pulled off don't breathe after this and killed it because there are some sequences in this movie that are just presented in such a striking memorable way um but i think the characters here are really really lackluster i think that this is a movie that um uh can't really I think it really takes away from it that I feel a lot of the dialogue is cheesy and the characters aren't um, able to hold the horror down because by the end of it, it, it just sort of feels like a like a fun house horror movie, like a haunted house horror movie where it's just we go from like big scary attraction to big scary attraction, but there's not there's not stuff in the in-between spaces that makes me feel the way cabin fever does or even an original evil dead does i feel more connected to those characters in the original evil dead but this movie it's just there's no no fun being had um did you laugh at all because i want to preface this with i laughed one time uh i don't know i did (laughs) i definitely laughed at the movie a couple times which was a bummer um because i i i I didn't. I don't know how I felt about the characters on that first watch. Maybe there was something in there that didn't sit with me, and so that's why I haven't revisited the movie. But also, it's just such an abrasive horror film that it makes sense that seven years later, I can only remember how I felt about the big stuff. But but this time around, um, I, I, there's no no fun to be had just from watching the characters hang out because even in the original Evil Dead, which I think is a straight ahead horror movie that isn't fun the way Evil Dead 2 where Army of Darkness is, if you feel connected to the characters and then their their good time is being ruined, then there's uh, there's more at stake. But this movie is just so like dark and bitter and dejected well, from the inter- very it's beginning. It's an intervention for a heroin addict. Absolutely. And this movie, it sticks so hard to just being depressing and because it's doing that i think the characters have to feel real in those depressing circumstances i mean um i i love a whole a whole lot of movies that are just dark from the very beginning and the characters are working through dark things and there's not a laugh to be had but this movie in trying to be serious i think drifts into being really cheesy and laughable at a few places through the dialogue and through some of the character work. And I think it's a big hindrance to what could make a a good horror movie fantastic. So coming away from this movie, um, I, I, I like it a lot less than I thought I did before I watched it a few days ago, because all I remembered from the past seven years is these huge horror movie moments and while that stuff is still in my head now and it's still great the horror sequences in this absolutely make me cringe and yelp and they are so uh creative and gnarly um the in-between stuff was just so apparent to me as being sort of uh 
filler. Not, yeah, filler. And I just don't think in 2013, after we've gotten through all these uh, cheesy horror movies in the past, I think that you've got to work a little harder if you want to make your serious horror movie be taken seriously. And so um, I'm coming away from this movie thinking it's good, but it's not the classic that I thought it might be. Yeah, um, this was, I, uh, I'll, okay, I have no idea how I feel about this movie at all. Not at all. That's, I, I don't know, I don't know if I would say I like it. Um, I, I feel like my relationship, perhaps appropriately, is gonna be really complicated. Um, because I love how it looks. I think it looks great as you've said, and a lot of those um, effects are really wild. There were sequences where I had to pause the movie because I thought I was going to puke, and that's not a joke. And, oh, yeah. Um, we didn't have that luxury back in 2013. Yeah, I don't, know if that, I don't know if that says more about me and my ability to handle gore or how gory this movie truly is, but there was a part where I had to pause it, I got up, I left the room, I got a drink, and I came back. Because I was like, if I just keep trying to watch this, I'm going to fucking puke. Like, it was just too much. Um, but those moments, I'm going to describe those as highs, even though it was unpleasant. Because it's what the movie's trying to do. A lot of the rest of it feels very... It feels like two things. One, it's dealing a lot in stuff that we've seen other movies on this show do already. <laughs> in a way yep. where I'm just fucking tired of it. And also the character work generally is not very interesting. So I feel like I'm stuck at this impasse where I wanted to like it a lot more. And I think visually, not just in terms of effects, but in terms of uh, direction as well, like you're saying, and especially the way the camera moves is so, so good that I don't know where to come down on it. Like, I don't know if I would tell somebody to watch it or not. I, I really don't. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I think we're sort of at the same place here. I mean, this is the sort of horror movie that I'm going to recommend to someone after I've talked to them for a good while and I know what kind of horror movies they're into because even, uh, even for someone that really loves hardcore horror movies um i don't think this is for them if they want a bit more than just gore effects if someone is just a gore hound this is definitely one you check out but if you're looking for some connective tissue here um i don't think this movie really has it also if you're a gore hound how did you get to that point in your life what happened are you okay <laughs> do you need to talk about it because i have no fucking idea how somebody can go into a movie like i just want the parts where somebody's using a turkey cutter to rip their own arm off or shit like oh that. Oh my gosh. Or like Yeah, so so Corey, is is the segments like that where um it's really getting a reaction from you someone is cutting their own arm off with a turkey cutter are those to you in your experience are those like deterrences to enjoying this movie or is that this movie is being uh visually effective see it's weird um i don't like watching it obviously because it's unpleasant however i give credit to the movie anytime it makes me feel that way because that's what the movie is trying to do right so the movie's succeeding at making me feel like i want to vomit 
which is great for the movie. So I give a movie credit when it's able to do that because that's the goal. But in terms of how does that make me feel about liking the movie, just because the movie's effective doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to like it. And right. I don't know where I come down on that. Um, it makes me not want to see it again. Uh, or at least not for a long time. I watched it today, and to be completely honest, I wish I had had more time to sit with it before we talked about it, because I feel like I have to work through it, and I'll do it here, which is great. But um, I don't really know. I, I feel like this is this is one of the first movies, because like, I haven't seen Saw and shit like that, because I know that's just not what I want. Like I'm just not interested in something that is very reliant on gore and i knew this movie was and i'm prepared for a movie to be reliant on gore if it's relevant at least somewhat to what's happening narratively so it's not just presenting me with it for no fucking reason and if it's done really well i can give a movie props for that but like i don't want to feel like i have to pause a movie five six times to just like hold my chest and wait a second to make sure i don't destroy your carpet like you know what i mean right yeah so i think that is that either comes down to a fault of the movie um because i bet you we can find some violent movies that i i've abs- seen plenty really... of movies with gore that looks real that doesn't make me feel that way yeah so then um it's either a fault of the movie or it's just not your thing and and where that takes me is that um it takes me back to Universal Studios in Florida, all right? This past summer, um, you know, this past winter, actually, very recently, I, I went to Disney World and Universal Studios, and uh, I was with a group of people that love, love roller coasters. And me, I love horror movies. I like being creeped out at horror movies. I don't like roller coasters. I liked them when I was a kid, and then I became aware of my own mortality and the Yikes. way that uh, that roller coasters make me feel inside. I don't want to feel like I'm actually on the precipice of death, and I don't like feeling you know, motion sickness. And so I wasn't looking forward to doing these roller coasters, but I did every one of them uh, because you know when in Rome. And what I found was that some of them some of the really intense ones, actually, Aerosmith, you know, Rock and Roller Coaster, which you have experience with. Yeah, um, we'll have to talk. I've told Liam that story. We don't need to tell it now, but a couple people listening just their ears perked up. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And th- and that might be reflective of what I'm about to say with horror movies, like Rocket Roller Coaster. I ended up being into it. Uh, Expedition Everest at Disney World. I really loved it because there's like a story behind it, and and there's some really cool visual sequences where you're like see the silhouette of uh of the yeti coming for you and there's like mountains all around you and it's really really cool and so while i feel uh scared and i kind of have to get used to the idea of getting thrown around and i have to get my brain around that hump um i i actually ended up really liking some of these roller coasters but near the end of the trip i went on one at universal studios called the uh I think it's the Rip It Rocket roller coaster. And what that one is, is it's just an outdoor roller coaster. Uh, It has loops. It has some really, really steep 90 degree inclines. And you pick a song and you listen to the song throughout the ride. And that's the novelty of it. There's no... um, 
There's no characters to look at. There's no sound effects. There's no dark spaces. There's no signs. It's just the experience. This is a terrible gimmick for a roller coaster. I just want to say that now. Yeah, because you and I, man, we're not roller coaster guys. Even if I were, though, like, what the fuck kind of gimmick is just play music? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's the thing. Okay, so my girlfriend and the rest of the group we were with, they're into this roller coaster because they love roller coasters. They love the feeling it inspires. And me, after becoming sort of comfortable with these more unique roller coasters that have like connective tissue to make me invested in the scare I'm feeling, this one absolutely made me feel sick. I hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it. And it just showed me that either I haven't worked my way up to being a a roller coaster guy yet Um, but then I remember that I went on all those other roller coasters and I liked them so if that's not it it either means the roller coaster wasn't doing enough but so many people like the roller coaster so that can't be it either what song did you listen to I listened to uh, um, I think it was a song by Pink I wanted the poppiest thing I could think of okay. so that yeah. I could good, good nestle vibes. myself in. So yeah. actually, um, that leads me to a question I wanted to clarify because you're saying maybe it's the fault of the roller coaster and not you, right? That's a, a potential outcome. So that's a that's a thought, but I don't think that's where I'm coming down. Sure, and that's why I just wanted to clarify because you said that my feeling ill at the gore could be the fault of the movie and not me, and I was wondering what you meant. Yeah, well, maybe maybe that means that if the characters were stronger and the dialogue was stronger and you really feel for these people, then you're going to recoil oh, at yeah, seeing yeah, yeah. them be hurt. But you're, it's not going to be so revolting in the visceral sense. It's going to be revolting in that, oh, my God, these people that I'm connected to are really, really being put through the yeah. ringer. And this is terrible. And this is horrifying but instead it's just visceral is the word for sure because it's so because on the one hand it's so it looks so good like from an effects perspective but it feels like i'm just being presented with it for the sake of my having to sit through it and not you know there is a narrative reason but i don't feel looped into that narrative reason i feel like especially in the first 20 minutes of this movie a lot of the establishment is ham-fisted as shit and just it's it's going through the motions of setting up that these people are archetypes of a thing so that, you know, the shit can start happening. And I think that that's a huge reason why, you know, I'm watching Mia possessed fucking cut her tongue in half or I'm watching um, Olivia fucking cut her own face off or Mia pulling her arm out from under a fucking Jeep and just ripping it clean off. And I'm just... I'm just sick to my stomach and that's all I'm getting out of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like this movie is the Rip It roller coaster and Corey and I we we don't like roller coasters that go that hard, I guess. <laughs> um I yeah, and it's weird because so I think we both clearly agree that like the characterization in the script is maybe weak, but some of these performances, namely Mia who is played by Jane Levi, incredible whole movie just fucking great so yeah, it's yeah, weird i, I like a lot of the, the tension between i don't give a shit about what's happening but they're doing it really well she yeah. goes to so many different places in this performance 
Um, like we have exorcist style possessed person. We have person who thinks they might be possessed, but isn't sure. We have drug addict. We have unwitting heroin. We have unwitting heroin user. If I want to go for the pun, which I guess maybe I didn't have to, um, didn't mean to, it just sort of happened that way. But, um, she, she's able, it's such a versatile performance. It's incredible. And it's, it's, it's it's very, it's no wonder. It's no wonder that uh, Fide Alvarez used her again in Don't Breathe. She is a absolute powerhouse. And I think some of the other performances here, too, are um, are able to really shine in a couple moments. Um, Lou Taylor Pucci. Uh, oh, my God. Is... She is in Don't Breathe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's a main, main girl. See, you said that. And I was like, is that right? And then I had to think about it. And I was like, wait a minute. And then you're like, oh, yeah. shit. It fucking is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So she's she's so good, and I see where they were going casting these people. I think uh, Lou Taylor Pucci, who is um, I don't know his character name. Eric. Eric. He's the guy who who reads the book, and then that's actually is, Cakey uh, for everyone listening. That's right. Yeah, he looks a lot like our Fred Cakey. Uh, he's he's a guy who has to really do a lot. He has to be the one to sell the reading of the book. He has to be the one who um, he does not sell the reading of the book, and he and he doesn't do it. Yeah, and that's I think that's just because the, that's the, the writing fault because it's literally him sitting at a desk, flipping through pages, sounding out very carefully sections of the book, and then deciding, well, this book looks demonic. What if I just found secret passages and said? Them out loud no good yeah, yeah, reason it, the book was literally wrapped in fucking barbed wire he had to cut off there's no good reason for him to be doing this and teacher if, if or he, not like fuck off if he had been a different character from the outset i might have been behind him i would be calling him stupid but i would understand that his character is supposed to be stupid but this yeah, guy this is, is the guy not who is anal about timings like yes this isn't a dumb dude and so the fact that they use him teacher. to do this the fact that they use him to do this, it just, it doesn't work, but I think he, he's got an interesting look to him, and there's a few line readings later in the movie um, where he's really distressed about what's happening, that he totally sells it. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think uh, Shilo Fernandez, who is also an and- actor I like, he plays our main character, um, uh, sort of, I mean. He's fine. I don't know, he's kind of, again, it's the, I think is it right, he's blank slate one note guy who's like learning a lesson <laughs> like you that's know, right whatever yeah. well he he's a guy that um after watching it the first time i i really forgot about him and i this is you know jane jane levy's movie the whole way through and so i forgot about him but but this time i i came back to it after having seen him in a movie from 2008 called dead girl where he gave uh, one of my favorite performances I had seen that summer. And that means that I was watching a whole lot of movies that summer and he really stuck out to me. So I went into this excited to see what he would do. And I thought that um, he holds the movie down as the the blank slate. That is, he's, he's a very real guy that I wouldn't want to hang out with because he's so reserved and subdued and like boring. Um, but he feels very real in doing that. And so I think he's an interesting character to have in this cabin. But the fact that everyone else in the cabin is also very boring, like this teacher who doesn't yeah. need and to the be two girls and this nurse given, she doesn't need to be. They're given nothing to do other than the nurse character, Olivia, is filling the placeholder of It'd be convenient to have a medical professional here. 
but like other than trying to have a bit going on with making sure that this intervention sticks like you don't really feel like she's a full-fledged person and then natalie who is i don't know protagonist girlfriend is given even fucking less like oh yeah that poor woman barely here and then the actress has to go through so much in service of good effects and nothing else like i feel bad for the actress at that point like yeah yeah that's that's a really really good point like i feel bad for the character just in thinking about what the movie didn't show me when i started thinking okay this is this she's just the girlfriend of the main character she was she's probably just tagging along uh because like oh yeah she did not sign up for this Nuh-uh. Yeah, like the, the boyfriend <laughs> is just like, no, I really want to reconnect with my with my sister, and I think we could really help her. And she was like, fine. And then they go in, and uh, she she's doesn't do anything wrong, and she's sawing her arm off. And I think that that really, also, really could also, have been. Uh, I think gets molested by a demon, which isn't great either. <laughs> like she yeah. really just kind of goes through it. Yeah, and that could have been really affecting, I think, if we got more conversations between oh. her and our main character, Honestly, but that doesn't happen speaking either. speaking of Ready or Not, there's a version of this where that character is more like Ready or Not lead character, who's like, wait, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> like, yeah, where yeah, yeah, she's yeah. sort of more involved in the process of both the intervention part, but also the realization that the teacher gets to have is more of a group thing, because... It would be perfectly reasonable, boyfriend or not, for you to go, nope, this is no longer my problem. Like, I don't like what's happening here anymore. Um, so, yeah, that's that's weird. Um, I think before we get to the thing that I know we both like, which is the way the movie looks, I want to talk about the use of Evil Dead iconography. Because there's a couple things where I was watching the movie and I was like, well, that's for fans of evil dead and not me. Um, on the one hand, the soundtrack literally includes chainsaw noises, um, which made me kind of keep wondering, like if they were going to lean into the franchise's legacy and have like a straight up Ash reveal, like it was playing it so straight and so aggressive and gory. But at a certain point I was like, they're leaning on that sound so much. I genuinely wasn't sure, but yeah, you obviously have, um, is the book technically the Necronomicon? Cause they don't refer to it by name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess like you've it's, got it's that you've got the chainsaw, you've got the fucking, you know, you, there was between those certain icons, I'm sort of spacing on a couple others. And also some of the camera work made me feel like it was leaning into evil deadness in a way, um, with like, you know, snap zooms and like, Uh, dutch angles and things like that but i mean you've seen them so correct me if i'm wrong well the biggest one is the camera trailing through the woods you know floating above ground and so good yeah (laughs) yeah so uh, cool you know you can see that in a couple other movies hey Corey, there's a thing called evil dead (laughs) (laughs) if you like that i bet you'd like another movie called evil dead (laughs) yeah no but i'm totally with you dude um I took note of the fact that the that that particular camera trick um, happens, absolutely happens like still six works. Or seven times too, and it never yeah, gets old. It, it still works. It doesn't get old. It doesn't feel like a knockoff or just like a, a dumb homage because it just it fits the uh, 
the story and like the isolation of the setting so well you know this emerging doom coming for you at this isolated cabin and it's just so jarring like it's so fast and so like kinetic that you're like oh fuck like (laughs) here we go i guess (laughs) yeah um another technique that's used in the original movies that i think works here is um i guess i'd call them like demon vocal overdubs where where someone who's possessed is saying something and you can hear their their actual voice behind it speaking but then there's also a much deeper distorted voice playing on top of it as as they're yeah um, which honestly trying to terrify a character that read to me a bit more like an exorcist influence but i guess if it's in the other movies then it would be more of that yeah yeah and and i think those work too those are super scary i think this movie does a great job at doing the scary stuff that evil dead did while also feeling fresh and having uh just really sleek and dirty production values you know that's what i was gonna say the production design is phenomenal the first time they pull up to the cabin and the woods are there and just the way those trees look and the way the cabin is situated my first thought was who the fuck would ever willingly go here but then i was like this is beautiful like it looks amazing and um her like running through the woods looks amazing the way the interior is presented is just this like grimy forgotten like memory of a place you used to go instead of a place people actually go is just so great um everything just coalesces in how the movie is like built visually it's so good like yeah it looks fantastic it's like um, I remember when I saw this in the theaters and that cam the cabin first appeared, it's like watching like my favorite movie remastered, you know, like, uh, it's just, it looks so clean, but also so, fucked. um, like... re- fucked and respectful to the vibe of the first one. And then once they get into the cabin and they start, um, and it starts trying to tie it into the story where this is where they used to be um, as a family. And you find like pictures of them Which from not kinda, that, that long ago. That kind of confused me, honestly. Absolutely. So what I'm saying here is that once they try to tie it into the story in a serious way, it totally lost me because these, okay, I'm not a plot hole guy, but there's only Sounds so like much. Sounds like you're about plot, to point at a plot hole. <laughs> there's only so much plot points in this movie, so it's not hard to not mess them up. You know what I mean? Like in a complex, like crime mystery movie or something. Yeah. There's a lot of movies. This isn't parts, memento, like this. This isn't memento. And so when they get in and they're looking at photos of uh, themselves together from, from like a few high years school. ago in this cabin but the cabin looks like it's been left behind for like 20 years i don't get that um i also don't get why it's so gnarly and witchcrafty in the basement if this is the place they stayed as kids it it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense there just there needs to be more there because like you can do all that stuff but you've gotta put the work in because or um, honestly there's a version of it where you're like you like we wanted to do an intervention and we wanted to get secluded. We looked up this fucking place on Airbnb. We went up there and the photos were a lie. Like if we got this fucking scuffed ass cabin, I'd buy that a lot faster than I'd buy this. Um, Like we used to come here when we were kids reason. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's just like the attempt is just frustrating then because you're trying to do something more, but it's not, you haven't like thought it out and it just, it would be so much easier to just go back to, maybe it's a cliche, but you guys just, yeah, you stumbled upon this cabin. You've never been here before. It's kind of like cool and creepy. I mean, this movie is perfectly prepared to deal in cliches. The opening of this movie feels like the opening of five different movies we've watched on this show. It feels like fucking cabin fever. It feels like fucking uh texas chainsaw a lot it feels like texas chainsaw a great deal um and it's just uh it's not doing anything horror movies aren't typically prepared to do but i think that so much of the rest of it is so strong that i wish it were doing it better yeah that's that's really my biggest issue with the movie because um this is coming out like post cabin in the woods it's coming out post uh the mid 2000s horror movies that aped all the stuff from the 80s i want to make it clear for people listening sorry to interrupt you i don't like cabin in the woods but we could talk about that a different day enough yeah once they make a sequel to it or a remake or something um and it just it doesn't make sense that this movie is such a straight ahead horror movie that wants to do what the original evil dead did but also wants to spice it up and make it more like organic with this intervention uh subplot foundation but then it's also so willing to just be a cliche where we found this book and we're gonna read it out loud and so wait uh, what is the conceit of the original evil dead then why is he in that cabin they're they're just they just found they heard from a a friend or like a family member oh so it's a group of people initially there's this cabin yeah it's just a group of friends college kids and they just go to hang out for a weekend at this cabin i don't believe that bruce campbell's in college (laughs) <laughs> he was at one point i guess dude. he probably you know, he wasn't looked always younger 50. 30 years ago <laughs> um yeah i don't know man it's weird too because i feel like by the time uh it's raining blood and mia is using a stump arm to chainsaw a demon in half you kind of forget about the plot holes yeah it's true it's true that and, effect uh, at the end where she's doing that that mm-hmm. shot where it's just like sort of like a medium shot and it's just like full view we're not cutting away in profile we're sawing a demon in half holy shit dude yeah fucking that was rules. <laughs> that was amazing yeah so you know that's why when i saw this the first time um i was i was so into it and why i was so expectant for this movie to uh pull it off on closer viewing but the reason it doesn't get to classic level is because it has that stuff that is so amazing you know i gotta clarify that i love all the gore in this movie i love the gnarly kills i love the climax visually but then there's just stuff in there that it just doesn't it's not able to like hold all the weight of uh this really intense stuff and And so i just it's crazy because it manages to be genuinely tense too like it's not just gore for the sake of it that it's constantly high octane but like if there's a point where you're crawling between the walls and knives are fucking shooting through it like yeah i'm scared for you and it's starting to hit her and it like grazes her knee and something about especially with how viscerally i felt the violence something about how small of a gesture that is in the grand scheme of things but how much pain it clearly causes makes it so fucking terrible to watch but um yeah no Corey, that was, that was where it gets tense but yeah go for it 
that was the one that got me most on this rewatch. You know, the tongue cut stuck with me. The chainsaw stuff stuck with me. But it was that one where the, the knife is going through the wall and slicing through this this woman's kneecap. Um, you know, just the surface of her skin that that hit me the most. That was really, really well constructed. It was it had the perfect amount of restraint and realism. And at that point, you know, I'm totally forgetting that I don't really care all that much about this person as a character because that is just so so like hurtful on uh on just a, a personal level whereas the bigger stuff like the chainsaw it's you know cutting off an arm it's a bit easier to disconnect yourself if you're not into the character right and because obviously like we haven't been in a position where we've had to chainsaw a limb off but like i've cut Corey, myself i've had before. a crazy week let me tell you. <laughs> i haven't seen you in a while maybe uh maybe i've, I've got some stuff to learn but um I mean, like, everyone's cut themselves. Maybe not with a fucking machete, but, like, you get it in a way that you can't get. Uh, my hand just got crowbarred in half. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Also, what the fuck is with everyone in this movie getting pierced with something sharp and removing it? You're not supposed to fucking take it out. Like, <laughs> the nails, they all take them all out. Dude gets a fucking needle straight in his goddamn eye, pulls that shit out like it's nothing. A, uh, gross. B, you're not supposed too. to take it out. You're just gonna bleed more. Yeah, that Keith, was... There that was, was a nurse there. She didn't fucking tell you that? Oh, what a terrible nurse, man. She would have lost her license for if practicing out of face. office. <laughs> yeah. I will say, the one time I laughed is when Eric is backing up and he slips on a piece of her face and then hits his back off the toilet. Oh, yeah, and that was actually, um, <laughs> that might have got my girlfriend, Brianna, more than anything, because, again, it's relatable. She has a she has a really sore lower back from doing sports and stuff, and so just seeing someone slam their back on the toilet, it's like a small thing that's like, oh, man, like that's this, no good. There was, that would hurt. there was something that just made it comedic, but, like, he just slipped on a piece of her face and hit yeah. himself off a toilet. That guy gave me my biggest laugh in the movie, too. It was when he was staring at the book, just sitting there staring at it. And then he goes to open it up, and he's opening it, and he pulls it open. And, you know, my girlfriend and I were like, don't read it. What yeah, are you doing? I said, don't, don't read, read it out loud. And then immediately he goes, Kunda. And he just, and then he's off. And he's he doing the whole thing. He starts, he has to find the hidden words through meaningful effort. And he had to think about it. He's like, oh, I've got those hidden words here. Let me get a piece of paper and a pencil and sketch these out and really clearly enunciate them all. Whoops, yeah, now it's yeah. raining blood. Way to go, yeah. dipshit. So, like, so he's not able to pull off those big moments because, you know, I don't know if even God would be able yeah, to pull off those but movies. I think his genuine apprehension and fear at what will come because of it, he can do. Yeah, yeah, he does fearful so well, you know, during the nail gun sequence where he's getting shot and he's holding up his arms, he's just like saying like, stop, you know, it's just like, it's so, it's so um, realistic that like, what else are you going to do besides like try to defend yourself and like kind of beg a little bit and and when before that when stuff is really starting to go bad and he just says uh nothing's gonna be fine everything's getting worse every second you know i'm really feeling it where it's just someone who is who's in too deep and knows what's about to happen but it's the thing is that's absolutely not the same guy that would read no, this book from the base yeah it doesn't work but on the flip side another thing that i think works really well is and I know I said this already, but Jane Levi's ability to perform possessed 
and lean into that exorcist style like i'm gonna just curse you out and say you're gonna like go to hell and get like like raped which is a thing that she says which is very unpleasant and um her ability to oscillate from like terrified already vulnerable person who is going through a very difficult point to like screaming mean demon is really cool and she's doing so much physically i feel like there's that spot i think it's when natalie has to cut off her arm and she's poking her head up from under the chained down door and is like don't don't do it like but she's like looking around oh. fucking crazy eyes and just like don't fucking like it's absolutely so good yeah she's Corey, so good dude you want to know something when this movie was coming out and they were marketing it on youtube um there was this really really bold interesting Please be uh, careful i gotta sleep had. tonight yeah so listen dude and and that was the thing a lot of people had to sleep tonight this got a lot of complaints i think it got pulled from youtube so 2013 it was seven years ago a long time ago but uh it shows you how long that youtube has been around and supporting ads and stuff because even in 2013 they were doing that thing where they played ads you got about five seconds of it then you were able to skip it before you watch the video oh fuck! and and this was the first time i ever remember seeing any ad not just a movie ad but any ad keep that in mind and play to that format That's you know because so because nowadays, a lot of stuff is it knows that it has to get you in the first five seconds. And sometimes it'll be super, super clear, you know. Um, but uh, in 2013, this was the coolest thing I had ever seen. So they played a segment of that scene. This is the first five seconds of the ad. You see Mia's demon head popping out from uh, the trap door and instead of saying don't cut it there's a dub on her voice and she's saying don't skip it and she repeats it frantically for five seconds as in Holy don't skip the, and then and then after shit. that five seconds liam, the trailer starts liam you've awakened a memory in my mind oh uh i am very <laughs> sure i saw that and let me tell you liam i never saw the trailer so do with that information what you will yeah yeah it's, it's absolutely fuck that's so good it is incredible so this movie has a lot of iconic moments there's also a few moments in here that i feel are pushing a bit too hard as to be like a, a trailer moment you know the one that sticks out to me is when um uh natalie gets pulled into the trap door and, uh, and yeah. she that's she, a... when she runs out of the stairs and then she gets grabbed and, and dragged away from the camera that it shot just, was cool though yeah but it's just it's so quick and it's just like typical horror movie stuff um and it's uh also like mia whispering at the beginning um yeah to her brother it's just like a bit too dramatic and theatrical and um is trying it's really like going up there to 12 and speaking um, of dramatic this yeah. movie's got a lot of fucking snap zooms <laughs> Yeah, yeah um, I like those. I like them, but it, it does feel very like it's it, like it's flashy camera work, and I think in this case the flashy camera work's really good, and it leans into what you're doing, and I think it goes with um the rest of the look of the movie. Um, obviously, like there's that part where they're looking through that like I don't remember right now if it's like a gutter or like just a bramble or what, but there's that like cylinder that like it's like circular. And then like people's heads will appear and it's all just like thickets or like branches or something. I don't know. I don't remember right now. My brain is just short circuiting, but that looks great. One of my 
favorite looking things in the movie is actually one of the least flashy. It's when Mia has to get out of the car and into the water and then get out of the water. Yes. It's because it's so close and it's so frantic, but the camera's just on it, just moving like with her and she is carrying it because she's so great in that like sudden desperation. But the way that sequence looks and like the water is like blocking the lens and you're just like fucking like, I don't know where this is going. I certainly didn't think it was going to go to a vine, a vineyard that can move, not a vineyard, but like a bunch of vines that can move. But um, that is such a great example of where I think this movie's at its best, which is leaning into the sort of visceralness and relying on the performances and to a degree the effects because the effects come in more later. But that's where the movie's shining is in those moments. Um, It definitely kind of cranks it to 12 at the end too, but I don't give a shit. If we're going to fight a demon with a chainsaw while it's raining blood, I'm fine with that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think that is great. I think that is sets it apart from other horror movies. It's huge. It has a big vision. There doesn't there doesn't need to be any speaking because the visuals are so strong by themselves, which is why it's so frustrating that they kind of make these decisions right near the end to um, have have these one liners like feast on this motherfucker and go back to hell, bitch. It's stuff like that, that. Feast on this only because I wasn't expecting her to literally shove a chainsaw into its mouth and it was going to spurt so much blood like just a preposterous amount of blood like yeah it's um i guess i struggle because they haven't done the character work to make me so endeared by this person yet like ash in the first evil dead he's not saying stuff like that in the first movie you know we've got to spend time with him and really start to love him before i can take that stuff seriously but yeah, 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 right. But uh, hey, also I gotta ask, what did you think of the uh, midsummer shot at the beginning with the I was camera gonna, I was upside gonna ask down? You about that we've seen that so many fucking times on this show now. Yeah. Um, it always looks good, but I'm getting sick of seeing it. <laughs> like, <laughs> does um, it make you like midsummer any less? No. Um, it makes me like these movies less, even though they came first. <laughs> oh man, because I like that's, midsummer that's a lot. Uh. I don't know, the shot's always cool, but, like, it happened, and I was like, here we go again, another fucking horror movie starting with the upside-down shot. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, Yeah. What did you think about the post-credits thing? It's, uh... I don't think it needs to be there. It's it's it has to just exist as a way um, as a stamp of approval from, like, Bruce Campbell and the Ash character to show that this is cool, and also to uh, maybe hint that there could be a sequel. I don't super buy that because um, I know they planned to do a sequel where they were going to have Ash and Mia crossover. But I also know that Bruce Campbell refused to be in the scene, in, a, in, the, in the movie, in a more substantial way. You know, they were actually going to have him pick up Mia at the end of the movie and he wouldn't do it. Oh, you um, know what's funny? Yeah. He told me about that version of the ending, and when he said a trucker, I said, is Bruce Campbell driving the truck? Right. And he said, yeah. no, but I'm like, if you're going to do that, your gut would tell you they're going to get Bruce Campbell to drive the truck. Yeah, and I that was the director's his plan. Restraint, but if you're going to do that, then don't even make him say groovy, because I didn't read it as a stamp of approval. They're already producing the movie. It has their stamp of approval. That's exactly what I think, Corey. I think he's (laughs) producing the movie. Sam and Bruce are both there uh, 
I mean, you're fine. Like, yeah. it doesn't make the movie any worse, but it's just, I'm not, I'm not psyched no. on it. Because, I, I, you know, I read I it as, it. I didn't even read it as sequel bait. What I read it as was, if this movie does well, we can do a sequel. So they wanted to keep just enough of the door open to do that, that movie that you mentioned. And obviously that didn't happen, even though this movie did well. I'll never understand why it didn't happen. I'm grateful it didn't. I think this movie's probably better for not having a sequel. Because this is very much dipping into like soft reboot territory if it relied more on the Bruce Campbell character, or the Ash Williams character, rather, and things like that. And while there's a lot of the iconography, I'm grateful it doesn't do that. And then they did make Ash versus the Evil Dead, which I haven't seen, but it's like if people wanted more Evil Dead, you got a whole fucking TV show. Like, yeah, and, just that, go and watch that's that. that's that's why we didn't get the sequel. It's got to be is because yeah. they went ahead and decided they wanted to do because that show started only two day two years later, two days, yeah, <laughs> two years later, <laughs> and on March Bruce acts fast. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So I wonder where this puts us then, because like we talk so passionately about the stuff that we like, but there is a lot here that genuinely does kind of suck. Yeah, and it's uh for me, dude. It's just most of the time, most of the times the characters speak. Um, you know, it's uh, it's when um, like even Mia at the beginning, like when she turns to her brother and she's like, uh, "You're gonna stay with me forever, right, until the end." And then um, there's a little later when they're discovering scary stuff happening, and they're like, "Who would do this?" And um, and when they're really working hard at the character work and um, Mia's brother learns that she OD'd, he's like, she OD'd? Mia? And it's just like... Yeah, the, your, your, your sister that's a drug addict? That happens. Like, Yeah, so there's small things like that that aren't working. And then, of course, you know, the big few plot points that are there, like reading the book and getting the scary stuff here... That doesn't work. Um, and then once all the super scary stuff, horror sequences start happening, because the work hasn't been done already, it's like, okay, the movie is just this now. Like, there's no hope in fixing it because you've messed up um, the real the 30 minutes of space you had there to set this thing up. Yeah, yeah. But then visually, and I think in terms of like directorial vision with uh, how everything comes together in terms of production performance and effects is so good that it's really ironic that in response to this movie don't breathe wound up being so much more restrained as like a reactive statement to what people said about evil dead for being like too loud and too gory but i think evil dead is a great statement for his ability as a director and it's a great visual piece and it's a great um effects thing and i hate to diminish it to that because i don't think that's fair but, I mean, I don't know if it's reinventing the wheel by making the juxtaposition that drug addiction is like being possessed by a demon. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Yeah, no, dude, I think it's totally fair. I think, especially after seeing Don't Breathe, um, that he also wrote and directed, I think it's apparent that this movie, it just wanted to be a breath of fresh horror in the wide theatrical spectrum. And it just wanted to go super hard, be super abrasive, be the most terrifying movie you'll ever experience. You know, the kind of movie that will make people yelp and might even make people pause it and like walk out of the room. I think that's what it wanted to be. And I think the, the drug addiction stuff is, um, it's a bit of a clever twist, but I don't think any of the filmmakers involved would, would tell you that that's the kind of movie they were trying to do. I think it's clear what they were interested 
in doing. Yeah, and I think what they're interested in doing, they do really well. And I guess ultimately, I'm glad I finally went through with this. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it really did loom large in like my coming into being as like a quote unquote movie person or like a cinephile or whatever fucking word we want to decide to use to describe whatever that means. Um, I was always, I would always have moments where every once in a while, I just remember what that marketing looked like and how it made me feel. So to finally know what that experience would be like for me, it feels really gratifying, even if it's, I feel mixed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm pretty much the same way. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty high on the experience of watching it and I wouldn't doubt that seven years from now, um, I'll probably like the movie more again just because the big stuff is so big, but I don't think I'll ever get to the point where I'm able to say this movie is a modern horror classic like like where some people have gotten. I think um, it's a really, really cool uh, touchstone for us in our lives as a, a big theatrical mass-marketed horror movie that really does something different, and so I appreciate it for that reason. Um and I appreciated it enough that I was excited for Don't Breathe just based on the director and knowing his involvement in this. So it's it's an important movie to me, but if we're letterboxing it, I'd say this comes out to be about a 6 out of 10, maybe maybe a 7, but that, that's where I'm at with this one. Yeah, I, I do think I really just appreciate that. I feel like this is one of the first things we've been able to talk about at length here with like TMAO as a forum, where it's something that would have been a big deal when we gr were growing up. This feels like one of the first ones where like the release was a big deal. People knew about it. They sort of knew what it was. I don't know if we've really had that. And that's such a unique phenomenon that it's great to get to talk about it in the context of that. And something that we were both kind of tapped into is really great, especially from such divergent ends. Like we had a very different take on the lead up to that movie. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, that's super cool. And, and I think these kind of episodes will be few and far between. I don't know uh, how many Flintstone Rock Vegases were wide theatrical and uh, huge movies of people's childhoods. You know, we, we might have missed that boat a bit. So yeah, so I'm glad, I'm glad we had this. Yeah, I, I feel like this is like checking a movie off a list of like, iconic releases. And I don't know how many of those we really got that fit the criteria for the thing that we do. So it's great to have that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think, you know, there are a few more we might be able to uh, touch upon. I think the Blair Witch sequel remake is one that we could probably get to. Um, I think uh, Dread had the potential to be that. If, um, if it were higher profile. Uh, if, yeah, if I had been living my life a little bit differently. We'll find a couple <laughs> others, but... But you're right, the, the They Might Another One format sort of lends itself to not being these types of movies. And so it's cool that we can we can find a couple of them. And, you know, Corey and I, we both have um, quite a few movies that we predict will be perfect for this podcast that aren't even out yet. You know, we're, we want to get into more theatrical <laughs> releases. And so there are a few more contemporary picks that we're going to be able to get to that might that might uh, scratch a similar itch. We may have missed out on Brahms the Boy 2, but when 2023 rolls around, we will have our ass in a seat to watch Demolition Man 2. 
That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, with that tease out of the way, because we'll, maybe this time we'll find out how you use the three shells. Um, thank you once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO, which, believe it or not, stands for They Made Another One. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcasts. If you echo into a cave really loud, the reverberation will just uh, be an episode of this show um, as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and your memory of the marketing of Evil Dead. I think that would be fun if anybody else has something for that. Um, and Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego Graham the Haunted Marshmallow on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. And you can catch me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. And like I say every week on this show, I will keep those up to date someday. I promise. Um, and with that out of the way, we will catch you here next week for more. They made another one. can't say that wasn't evil dead you can't say that was not evil dead <laughs> that's exactly what i thought when the uh title card hit at the very end you know big <laughs> evil dead letters i was like, like yeah for, for the first time unironically i was like fuck it was <laughs> <laughs> truly dude that was evil dead like you got me there dude <laughs> yeah.